Welcome to the Pagan Christian Podcast. I'm Alex, the Pagan Christian. It's a podcast for Christians, pagans, and everyone in between. In a world where Christians look more and more like pagans and non-Christians look more and more like Christians, I'm just a Christ follower trying to find out what we, as the church, can learn from the world and hopefully say some things about what the world can learn from the church. Strap in. We're transcending the natural. I don't know why I said it that way. Hey, guys. Hope your week is going well. Hope you're, uh, you know, making the most of this uh, this world. Things are things are changing. It's in fall. If you're in school, the semester is almost over, which probably gives a lot of you anxiety. Try not to think about it. Do your work. Not like me. Um, you know, it's uh, it's quite a time that we're having out here. Uh, yeah. Things have been uh, things have been busy. Things have been really busy. Honestly, I really wasn't. It's kind of a struggle to come up with podcast episodes for my second day of the week, just because my Thursdays are so busy. Um, but I was thinking about it, and um, right before I started uh, writing down different ideas or going through my ideas, I saw a trailer for. The final Supernatural episode. And uh, if you've never seen Supernatural, never heard of Supernatural before, like the TV show, um, you know, I'll have a spoiler warning at the point where I start talking about, you know, all the stuff that's happened in the show. And if you don't plan on watching the show, then you can hopefully I'll be able to paint a picture that's like large enough and vivid enough that you can, you know, you can follow along. But, uh, you know, it supernatural uh started in 2005 it's in its 15th and final season um and basically follows two brothers as they hunt and pursue the supernatural supernatural creatures like ghosts and demons and uh leviathans and you know when when digos and gins and all kinds of you know any any anything spooky and sort of halloween related they've they've tackled it that's that's what it's about but more than just talk about a tv show what i was interested in why i kind of picked this subject over others because that sort of infamous gilmore girls episode i i was like maybe this is the day maybe today we'll we'll figure out who really should have ended up with rory you know um and i thought about it and it was just like there's here's the thing with how i do episodes I want to make sure that I have enough information that I could like rant endlessly on about at a party, you know, for me, sometimes that's like, I've thought a lot about the subject or I've been engaged in the subject for so long that all I need is a brief like rundown, like show me a Wikipedia page that'll rejog the memory and then everything else will take over all of like, you know, the history. For other things, I'm a little bit less trained. All right, maybe I want to, like, research a little bit, you know, kind of pour into the scripture, kind of pour into, if it's a TV show, watch a couple episodes, or if it's, uh, you know, it's a movie or a song or an album, maybe, like, listen to some music or check the lyrics, and or maybe even, like, find interviews that, like, that person's done about their craft, uh, because I really want to be honest and thorough and I think a lot of people you know they just shout their opinions but it's not really based in any real reality and you know if I say something that's not like legitimate 
you know, you should be able to call me on it. And one of the most frustrating things I ever learned was, you know, years ago when I had Twitter, I don't have Twitter now, maybe I should get a Twitter, you know, tweet at me if you think I should get a Twitter um, at the Pagan Christian Podcast. Uh, yeah, I, I used to engage these academics that I really enjoyed reading and they would say things on Twitter. And I was like, well, that's a little, Ooh, I don't know about that. That's kind of spicy. Uh, but like spicy from like their take, which meant it was like vanilla <laughs> and I was the spicy one. I was like, yo, I don't like whatever you're saying is wrong. Like you should not be saying this. And they always had this post that this idea that it's like, yo, Twitter is not scholarship. I don't have to defend this. And in a certain sense, that's kind of what this podcast was. Like this podcast is just me to like talk brazy and be, you know, be bad trash because I'm just a terrible person that, you know, needs prayer just as much as the rest of us. Um, and it was a way for me to like think about ideas in real time and then, you know, maybe commit pen to paper uh, after having voiced some of those ideas out loud. So like something I say here might not, it probably shouldn't be taken as like gospel truth. Cause it is not, it doesn't require the same amount of like qualitative research that, you know, here at the graduate level, you know, you really got to commit if you're going to write like a paper or something like that. So I'm not really an expert on any of these subjects. I'm, I know some things about some of these subjects. And if you think that I know more than you, and that should prove how vig like rigorous it is. Uh, I was going to say vigorous. It's actually both rigorous and vigorous. What's the difference between those two words? Tweet at me at the Pagan Christian Podcast if you know the difference between vigorous and rigorous. Anyways. Um, yeah, I just didn't really... Like it should prove how much research is necessary. And the cool thing about what I do in graduate school is that I can write about anything as long as you can justify why it's significant and, you know, it sort of communicates a truth that really needs to be heard and like stresses like maybe like a like a moral issue or the way we think about things needs to be changed. Like anything is up for grabs because honestly, and the cool thing about communication is this everything says something it speaks to you in different ways so being able to kind of tap into that communicative power is a great way for you know critical scholarship to you know to really unveil how i guess like the world works and stuff like that to other people and to kind of share in that in that enterprise be like hey this was this there's this really cool thing that i found and you know it's unique and i love it and you should love it too um, although as one of my professors once said, it's often the opposite. It's like, Hey, here's this thing that I found and I found a way to critique it and I hate it. Screw this thing. <laughs> it's like, that's almost like all, uh, academic scholarship, unfortunately. But I hope to have a semi different att uh, attempt, which is to find the sort of redemptive value in certain things. And that is, this is kind of like a way for me to think out loud and engage with different people who have different ideas and say, be like, oh, maybe you should check out this book or, hey, have you considered this idea? You know, whatever. You know, if you are ever uh, turned on or off by the Pagan Christian podcast, reach out and I would love to love to get those thoughts. Um, unless, you know, you talk mad brazy and you're just like un, un you know, un, un, unaccountable for it. Then I don't, I don't want to hear what you got to say. You know, I ain't got the time today. I'm only here for the dialogue. I'm not here for the monologue. So 
ironically, considering this is a podcast where I talk to myself like, you know, it's just me and my thoughts. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, so let's get into the concept of the show, Supernatural. It's coming to an end in one week, which means whenever whatever podcast I put out next week, the show will be over after 15 years which never happens for a tv show these days like these it's so hard to get a tv show out of pilot let alone uh you know multiple years let alone 15 so just really really incredible stuff that they've been able to do um so supernatural is hosted on the cw it's a show like i said above where two brothers uh sam and dean Uh, fight the supernatural in an attempt to kind of save humanity from the things it does not know, i.e. the supernatural. This happens in a variety of different ways because uh, the supernatural is highly diverse. You know, it's not just, uh, you know, whenever I say supernatural, you might think, you know, of a certain type of like person or thing. But they really run the gambit. And when you have 15 seasons, you have the ability to do so. So it's everything from, you know, angels and uh, like uh, like fantasy creatures like, you know, golems or unicorns to, you know, of course, there's going to be angels. There's going to be demons. God is there. The devil is there. Alternate dimensions, different deities. Uh, ghosts for a very long time, a lot of ghosts, vampires, werewolves. Like it really runs the gambit, uh, and anything that you can imagine is there. Um, and I would keep going through the list, but honestly, I feel like I might even bore you. The point is, is that some of these creatures, actually most of these creatures, but most of them ha- live under sort of nefarious purposes. Um, you know, if you're a vampire, they need human blood in order to live. So, for example, in some of these episodes, uh, it turns out that like different campers in you know these states, and 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 here's the thing: most of these supernatural incidents, quote unquote, happen in like the Midwest. So, if you live in the Midwest, you know, yeah, stay inside. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, don't live in the Midwest. No, I'm kidding. I'm playing. Maybe. I don't know. Um, <coughs> New York is the best. Anyways. Um, no, they have. It seems like they happen mostly in the Midwest because, uh, you know, people are more spread out. They're less likely to pick up on kind of like serial issues because, you know, if like a person dies on one side of the state and then the other side of the state, like, you know, maybe though it's not the same as if like, you know, people started dying multiple times, like in the same like neighborhood of like New York City or something like that. So I guess it's just easier for the supernatural to evade detection. I think that's the the plan or the thought. Anyways, so, uh, you know, Sam and Dean, they're from Kansas. They travel all around because Dean, the older brother, very hyper masculine. I say that because for like, especially like the first like third of the series, it's almost like aggressively so. Like he's like, huh, you know, boys, boys drink whiskey and beer and eat burgers and like, it's just like, come on, like it's not not that serious. And Sam is portrayed, he's the younger brother, as you know the more sensitive one. And he's not like sensitive in like an obvious way. He's just sensitive by default because Dean is so macho man. Um, and that breaks down as he gets older and the show like matures a little bit. 
but um you know sam went to stanford and you know was in like a good relationship and then it sort of revealed and actually this is like not a bad place to pause um if you've not seen supernatural and you intend on seeing supernatural and and slash or if you are not caught up into the sort of penultimate episode which is to say the second to last episode of the series i've not seen it either i will at this point be spoiling things uh left and right plot lines etc uh so this is your point of no return press pause go watch whatever episodes you feel like you need to see then come back and press play and see if you think that i had it right and if i did then give me six gold stars and your favorite virtual hug from your virtual memory bank all right and we're back um i don't remember what i said a second ago before i made that like little pause for the for the folks but but yeah anyways um oh no so in the first episode i guess what's revealed is sam is a college student at stanford and he's about to go to law school and he's not really super fulfilled in the things that he's doing um, but he is in a really happy relationship with a girl named jessica and uh all of a sudden he wakes up and finds out that someone is breaking into his house and you know he's pretty trained like martial arts wise and uh, he gets in a fight with the person that's breaking into the house. And it turns out it's his older brother, Dean, that he hasn't seen in a couple of years. And, uh, you know, they're obviously able to be like, what the hell's going on? Like, why are you here? And uh, Dean sort of reveals, he's like, it's about dad. We need you to go. And Sam is like, listen, I, I left that lifestyle. And you're like, lifestyle, what are you talking about? And it, it's kind of revealed that Sam and Dean are part of a family uh, known as hunters, and they hunt the supernatural. And that's what I said, you know, up at the front. Um, so Sam, Dean, and then eventually their father uh, over the first, like, season or so are hunters. And the mother is not in the picture, and the reason being is because when Sam was a baby, uh, a demon named Azazel, which is a literal demon, you know, there is a demon named Azazel, it's in the Bible. It's in uh, different books, Genesis. Uh, I think it's in Genesis, but it's definitely in the book of Enoch, which I'll talk about in a little bit later. Most of you might not. If you're Christians and you've read the Bible or you're reading the Bible, you might not recognize Enoch, but, you know, like we'll get there. Um, but the demon Azazel uh, was attempting to take Dean and um, when the father realized he was able to save Dean and Sam, or he was trying to take Sam, he was able to save Sam and Dean, and but he wasn't able to save his wife, who was uh, projected onto the ceiling and, um, you know, lit on fire along with their house and all of their belongings, thus sending them into this kind of spiral where they are hunters of the supernatural so that no one else has to experience you know a, an attack like that ever again so that's pretty heavy and uh you know over the years it gets heavier little by little for the most part it's kind of like you're you know the first five years i would say it's kind of like the you know the story of the week the ghosts of the week the ghost story of the week and um 
you know, there's gins, which some of you might recognize as genies, and then like there's a vampire, and then witches, and then a demon here or there. And the show is uh, serialized in the sense of each episode has its own story, but then there's like a little trace of a larger story that connects the series, the season fina- uh, introduction and finale, and maybe a few episodes at the end. There's like a larger season story too, and um, they, I guess, like a cool thing about it is the show is able to as it evolved it takes like a bunch of different turns because when you're trying to explain the supernatural you know you really have thousands of years of different cultures and different people um giving mythology and folklore about the world that they're experiencing in the different ways in which they're experiencing it and that doesn't change because, you know, now we have more technology and science. And I think that's a common misconception. And Supernatural points that out, especially at one point, because we start the show over, they have like flip phones and now they have smartphones. <laughs> so it really proves how long, you know, 2005 was wild. Like, how did any of us survive? Um, but yeah, I guess like net overall, it's a show about two brothers fighting for each other, fighting for the world uh, to save the world from evil forces so I'll probably tie in different things that are happening throughout the show um, as I go through these different subjects but I'm trying to like hold myself a little bit more to the standard that I said you know what can the world learn from supernatural from a Christian perspective and what can Christians learn from supernatural and um, I think there's a lot, so let's let's get to it. So let's talk about let's start from the world. You know, if we take supernatural to be like a Christian artifact, a Christian show, you know, what can you learn about Christianity from the TV show Supernatural? And it turns out the answer is quite a bit. Um, I love when like like here's the thing. I have this youth pastor, and I think he used to say something along the lines, is like, is every baseball player that crosses themselves after a home run a Christian? And the obvious answer is no. I mean, statistically, it's at the very least unlikely. But on the other hand, there is something interesting about, you know, maybe some, maybe people do it for luck. Maybe they're not the most devout of Christians, but there is something that gravitates that pulls them that compels you to almost be unable to not associate good things with christian like the christian religious tradition like a the ancient mystical christian religious tradition right like you passed home run cross yourself and give thanks to god you know is god the first person you think of on a sunday morning i don't know that's up to you but um you know, you see the, that sort of happen a lot, and not just in sports, of course, but across all mediums. We talked a few episodes ago about how in music, it seems that like more and more artists are, you know, becoming Christian, or at the very least, secular artists, um, their music can also be considered Christian because it explores Christian themes and values and virtues and vices, um, you know. Christianity obviously doesn't get to hijack the whole world and be like, 
you know, hey, we said you should love your neighbor, therefore every loving act is now Christian. But on the other hand, it kind of does. And the reason being is because it's part of a larger Judeo-Christian narrative that for thousands and thousands of years has attempted to communicate a very particular understanding of, you know, like I said, scriptures, values, virtues, vices, um, against the grain of the world. And the world has appeared and represented itself in a variety of different ways. Now, different religions and different political systems and different cultures have all attempted to engage values, virtues, and vices, you know, like I said, differently. But there's a lot of similarities that are shared between the Christian story and most other stories in the sense that if those stories are successful, it's because they engage in a a shared narrative design that the Christian story says, yeah, that's how you were designed by God. You're designed to love good things and to despise bad things. Now, um, we there are cultures that reverse this. Uh, they say a bad thing's a good thing, and they call it love, and maybe that's not the case. Ugh, sound terrible. Um, but, but, but I think that requires further nuance. But what's interesting about supernatural is that it kind of does this thing where it's very obvious that it's talking about different religious truths, but also different religious characters. And this kind of happens around season four, I would say. the At the end of season four, there's like a mist. I call it the religious turn. So before that, it's kind of like Scooby-Doo. You know, who who are we catching this week? You know, it's a ghost. How do we get rid of the ghost? You know, um, and so on and so forth. And it's good fun. It's easy to follow. It's easy to track. It's good. But uh, eventually it starts to be more season-wide stories with just like a few stories sprinkled in between. And at first this is not great. You know, season seven is uh, bad. And, you know, some of the seasons around that aren't great either. But like season six is like, eh, season eight is, eh, you know, season, but like it starts to pick up after that. But but it's wild to me that like, you know, they could have gone for like four or five seasons. Usually that's where a show ends. And then like two seasons, three seasons maybe of like bad TV and they're like still survived. And then seasons nine through 15, like its own series for most other series is like, yep, yeah, now it's going to get good again. It's actually going to get really good, you know. Um, but anyways, I guess my point here is this. The Christian turn is actually really helpful because it allowed them to say like, okay, there's only so many folklores about creatures and stuff like that that we can do, but now let's let's really get supernatural and engage every type of cosmic uh, ability that's available to us. So one, th- I I think that's a kind of a way in which you know Christianity is put on on the sil- you know is it the silver screen on the TV screen you know. It is real, and for once a week, you know, you can show up and see a part of the Christian story in a way that's kind of looks like what your everyday life's engagement with it might look like. Now, is it perfect? Obviously not. Is it explicitly Christian? Obviously not. But there's a lot about it that I think one can learn, if they're not Christian, about the Christian story as a result. The first thing that it does is it takes the very real possibility that the mystical 
is well it, it takes the proposition that the mystical is real that the supernatural the cosmological you know we are in a battle of cosmological proportions you know right now we obviously just had joe biden versus donald trump for the united states presidency for a lot of people that felt like a huge battle but it's very natural battle you know people voted people know how to vote well actually maybe not some people don't know how to vote i guess that's kind of in question um but like or at least they don't know how to well i don't know i don't really care i guess like the point is is like you know that battle is very material it's very natural but at the same time christians and not just christians but religious people of all sorts believe that there is a cosmic battle that there are forces of good and forces of evil that are fighting around you through you in you you know, uh, the entire world is captivated by this battle. It's kind of this plane of existence that you can't always see, but you can generally feel. You know, um, it's this idea that, you know, someone is fighting on your behalf and sometimes you're being persecuted by things you don't quite understand. Um, it's easy to reduce all of that as folklore it's fake it's mythology it's not real uh it's because it's not scientific and it's easy to say that you know only that which can be seen and charted and proven through the scientific mill is legitimate uh because you know we existed in the last couple hundred years of a major marketing campaign that was designed to produce science as the only way in which we can experience truth despite the fact that not only throughout that entire campaign as well as for thousands of years prior there is evidence in every culture of every uh evidence evidence in every community of every culture throughout the history of the world that there are things that cannot be explained incidents that are beyond reason beyond comprehension and that is a critique almost of reason itself it's not to say that we shouldn't try to be reasonable and we shouldn't have science but it's to say that those are insufficient to explain things that are beyond themselves and because there is evidence of the beyond we should reserve some time to think about that and to think about that in that way so because supernatural treats this as like a real thing it kind of allows you and i think it affords you the ability to kind of go back and to look up tales of the supernatural and you know kind of get spooked but get spooked for a good reason uh, because the point is, is now that you're aware that more things are out there, you know, you can prepare yourself for life accordingly. It would be very irresponsible of you if you perhaps had a child and you never told that child about buses. So that child walked out into the street one day and just gets mauled by a bus. And because you never showed them the road and automobiles and how to stop before and you know wait until like the coast is clear you are responsible for the ignorance of that child similarly the child in you is still ignorant if in a world where you've just completely decried the supernatural now does a tv show give you evidence that there's things out there no not obviously not but what i think it does do is it kind of allows you 
a way to imagine a world where that is true and then you can use that and like I said before afford yourself the ability to like line up to these stories about the supernatural like I said in other podcasts I listen to a podcast called supernatural it's not about the tv show it's just about you know stories that can't quite be explained they're kind of spooky but kind of interesting um and it allows you to be like okay you know it's a humbling mechanism that's really what I'm looking for this humbles you and allows you to think of the world as uh, you know as what it is which is bigger than your ability to comprehend it and that humility allows you to walk maybe a little safer and with a little bit more respect for the things that are around you and maybe opens you up to you know listen to people that engage the supernatural on a more day-to-day basis which I think honestly is religious people and maybe ask provocative questions about who they are and their engagements with that and what does that look like I personally have had friends that have struggled with demonic affliction. Uh, That means that either a demon has tormented a specific friend of mine. I could think of two like off the bat or they were possessed by a demon. Now, possession is kind of a tricky thing to, you know, point out, prove even in the Christian world. We have very strict, you know, guidelines for how this all works. But it's 100% a reality, and at least from a personal experience, I could testify to it because I've been able to hear these stories and exp- and see what it looks like. At a very personal level, um, I've experienced it a little bit myself, what I think is can be considered demonic affliction. And that's because I have an understanding of the supernatural is real, and then I was able to gauge my experiences against the experiences of other people and say, like, hey... Is this something that tracks? Is this something that works? And fortunately, I'm no longer afflicted. Fortunately, I wasn't afflicted for longer than a few hours. But um, because I have the Holy Spirit with me that I'm able to, you know, pray with. And that spirit is much stronger and much greater than any demon or any supernatural creature. um, Because that Holy Spirit is of God. So that's something to maybe look into. Um, Another thing is that I think there's this really interesting thing about supernaturals. It tells parts of the religious story, but it tells it from a different perspective. And the way in which that perspective operates is through what we would call deism. So it's very commonplace for people to be like, oh, the American founding fathers were Christian. Therefore, America is maybe a Christian nation has Christian roots. No. Absolutely not. Most of the Christian fathers, quote-unquote Christian, were what we would call deists. Now, a deist is somebody that believes that God exists in, like, the abstract, but, like, he doesn't interact with us. Like, praying doesn't matter because God's not listening. You know, uh, miracles don't really happen because God's not there. Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson, is an example of a deist, you know, at best, so he's probably like agnostic. But the opposite of a deist is a theist. You know, a theist believes that God is what we call uh, a superintendent in his creation. He engages us. You know, you pray and God is there and present with you. He accepts your prayers and, and acts accordingly. Not like a genie. It's not to say that like, or jinn really. Um, it's not to say that God's like a, a sort of immortal wish maker, granter. But... God exists with us, and that presence is 
uh, is, is palpable. It's known. In some ways, it's even felt. Um, but Supernatural tells that story in a different way. And here's like another pretty critical spoiler for in Supernatural, um, there is a storyteller in that is revealed in the show. And it turns out he's writing the story, quote unquote, of Supernatural. He's selling it as volumes and people know about Sam and Dean throughout the world. Uh, not super widespread. It's like a cult following, which kind of makes fun of the fact that the show itself has a cult following. Um, or at least at the time. Um, but yeah, it's like, you know, they're like, oh, he's like writing. He Like, it's kind of like tongue in cheek. Like, oh, Sam and Dean are hunters and they fight, you know, zombies and, and well, not zombies, but like werewolves and vampires. And then people, when Sam and Dean show up to these like conventions, people know about them. They're like, are you the guys that they base their stories on? And then he's like, wait, what? Like, what stories? So there's a story maker, a storyteller. And it turns out that that storyteller is God. So, um, yeah, the one, the only, the Alpha, the Omega, God himself appears in the form of a little man named Chuck. And Chuck bails. He shows up occasionally once every couple of seasons. It's kind of a fun character. And then he eventually reveals himself to be God. Now, at this point, we have had the works. You know, Sam and Dean have let uh, Lucifer out of hell, apparently... Um, you know, Lucifer, the demon devil, uh, not the demon, but the devil, uh, was locked in hell. There was a king of demons, which is not Lucifer. And he's the guy who's basically managing this whole thing. His name is Crowley, not named after some of the original, uh, you know, kind of paganist witchcraft, you know, um, sorts of, I guess like Satanist type things. Um, you know, so Lucifer's out, and they're, Sam and Dean are finding new ways to battle Lucifer, and of course the demons are always around. They fight demons with holy water and angel blades and demon blades that have certain curse marks that are, you know, supernaturally blessed. And here's the thing it's a show that accepts that reality is mystical and sacramental, and I so deeply appreciate that because even the Christians you know, and even the Christians that may be listening here, they do not believe that the world is mystical. And that is the biggest scam. It's not to say that you're, you know, idiots for not believing that. You've probably been marketed a world in which this isn't really what it is. You know, that the world is pretty flat and then there's God on top of it, you know, somewhere. But there's really actually multiple layers and what God reveals to you is a very different thing. Um, so for example, in communion, the bread and the wine, when it is being prayed over, it's that sort of sacramental blessing. It changes the substance of what it is. So yeah, it goes down as bread and as wine, but you know the Orthodox Christians believe that it changes into the literal flesh and the literal blood of Jesus Christ. And they believe that there's scripture verses that support that. And I don't think th I think those arguments are pretty good. Um, but they think that by doing that, by consuming literally part of Christ, the body of Christ, you are closer to Christ in a lot of ways. And you're honoring the oath that Christ has asked, you know, in the final supper. Uh, those sorts of blessings happen all over the place in, uh, oh, well, let me also rephrase. Uh, 
I'm not, I don't want to talk too much about, you know, communion. We'll have a time for that. But the, it's pretty commonplace for Christians to be like, no, it's just a symbol. And when I say symbol, I mean, it's just a metaphor. You know, bread and wine isn't really flesh and blood because how could a supernatural God change bread and wine into flesh and blood and I not know about it? Already, the sentence should kind of trigger something in your heads to maybe get you thinking a little bit about that. But this happens in the show. You know, they'll pray the Lord's Prayer over water and it becomes holy water. And that is unique in the sense that it burns demons. You know, they don't, it can't touch it because it is rendered sacred. And stuff like that, I think, is really cool. And it's something that both, uh, you know, non-Christians can learn from because these are true aspects or truer aspects of the Christian story. And then there's uh, stuff that Christians can learn from, that the mystical is good and it has consequences. Some are good consequences and not believing in it has bad consequences. And they talk about that in the show as well. There's also the obverse side of this. I know I talked about God a little bit earlier. I'm going to come back to God. Um, But they talk about like witchcraft and such. And the point here is I think it's pretty easy in our world, our day and age, to be like, you know, we were born from the witches you couldn't burn, or we were, we rose out of the ashes of the witches you did burn, or something like that. And everyone's a witch these days. I really hope that's not the case, because this show proves that witchcraft is a real phenomenon, and it's not a good one to be engaging in. Hexes require, like, trade-offs, and that's different from prayers, which, you know, ask for support hexes ask for you know a trade you know what are you going to give up because it's going to cost you it's going to cost you a part of your body maybe part of your soul and there's so many of these types of deals that happen in what has traditionally been considered dark magic and uh i think that's a good sort of thing that we should be thinking about you know if you think of the world as just one flat circle that you know a bunch of stuff happens and then we die and we become dirt, then all the supernatural incidents that occur that you can't quite explain should really alarm you because it proves that there's something beyond comprehension that you've not been able to prove. However, if there's the possibility that some of those things maybe could be explained or at least be gestured towards an explanation, you should probably not be hanging out with Ouija boards and hex bags in a world where they could do irreparable damage to your body or your family or your soul. Um, And lastly, in terms of things that I think uh, non-Christians might get out of this, Christians of course as well, is that there's a lot of Christian virtues in this show probably none so more none more so rather than the willingness to die for a friend um to die for a brother and the entire the beauty of this show is just that it is thankless work you know these are two brothers that if they were to tell the world that there is a supernatural reality out there the world would either freak out or institutionalize them and that actually happens like once or twice in the show um but it's thankless work. People don't know that they're being saved from all of these creatures. It's just happening. And the people that can't be saved, you know, it's 
how how it's kind of like a fireman that isn't able to kind of that physically doesn't have the energy to go back into the house and save you know the last child they want to but their body is just incapable and it's kind of like that for these guys over 15 years they've experienced battle after battle with increasing intensity as it turns out that even god who hasn't been on board for most of the time is against them because god only cares about a story in this world uh god doesn't care about them and his creation so it's like if at one point even god is against you like you know you fought the devil and you fought demons and you fought all these unexplainable creatures and ghosts and things that terrify you you know all the boogeymans of the world and even god you know you gotta find a way to fight like you know the only person you could turn to at the end of the day the only person you could talk to about it really is your brother and to be willing to sacrifice yourself for people that don't know or even care about you, that's the real reason we do any work. Um, you know, we affirm life as Christians because it's the right thing to do, not because death is bad or suffering is bad and not because you can get a buck off of it or something like that. You do it because it's what the it's the right thing to do. It's what our God did. And it's what we would like to do because we want to be more like God. Um, now, I'm running sh a little bit short on time, which actually surprises me because I wasn't sure if I'd be able to talk about this. And it just turns out, you know, 15 seasons, there's actually quite a bit to talk about. But I did say I wanted to talk about the book of Enoch. What is one thing or two things that Supernatural tells Christians that we can learn? Obviously, as a deist narrative, uh, there's a lot of things we need to abandon in Supernatural. God is good. You know, God is not just a storyteller pulling strings. We pull a lot of our own strings and strings of others, and that's not good. We need to be accountable for that. But um, here, one thing that's interesting is they make a lot of references to scripture verses uh, that are not super used and explained. And specifically, like, you know, what's like a throwaway verse that kind of confused you at one point? You're like, man, I wish I kind of had more explanation about that. Um, for example, there's a part where after Cain kills Abel, so the first sons of of man, you know, Adam and Abel, uh, Cain, Adam and Eve have children, two of which are the first two of which are Cain and Abel. And Cain, very jealous and uh, sort of malicious uh, child kills Abel in an, a spat of jealousy and God catches him and punishes him. He marks him and says that, you know, you and your own will walk into the wilderness for all of your days. Supernatural takes that story literally. It says there's a literal mark on Cain and part of that curse mark, because that's what it is, is that he's not able to die. He's not able to rest. So unless that curse mark is given to another person, he is not, you know, he must continue existing. So they physically interact with Cain at one point. And it turns out that the weapon that, um, well, I guess that part's less cool. But I guess the point is, is that like 
that's a verse that's not super explained. You know, what what becomes of Cain? They take it and they run with it. And they add to the story in kind of really cool and interesting ways. Another thing that I think is interesting is they say that there's an a language by which a- angels communicate with one another, and it's called Enochian. Now, Enochian is interesting because it comes from the book of Enoch, who is, uh, you know, it's a book that's only accepted in the Ethiopian Orthodox Church um, as gospel, as canon, uh, but it is wisdom literature in many other churches. And it's something that I think all of us could stand to learn from because part of the book of Enoch expands on the Genesis story because Genesis is kind of weird if you only read it quickly, you know, because it's like on one hand you have Adam and Eve and then they fall into sin and they come into the world, and that's it. And then this, like the serpent had tempted them. But then, a couple chapters later, you have God speaking to Satan, and then Satan, you know, or Lucifer, um, doesn't want to have anything to do with God and refuses him. And then Satan and a third of the angels fall because that was his army, and they fall to earth. So these fallen angels, you know, what, are, who, are, what and who are they? But also, is the serpent Lucifer? And if so, how did, you know, which came first? Did Satan fall and then Lucifer? And then are are there, you know, angels in the world? Or are they fallen angels only? Like, there's a little bit, you know, that has let to, you know, uh, be explained. And I'll talk about the Book of Enoch at length in its own episode. But I think one thing that this show does a lot of is it tries to expand and explore angelology and demonology in a lot of interesting and different ways. Now, because both of those subjects, even by Christian standards, are pretty small because there's only so much in the scriptures that we know for certain, uh, this kind of gives a visual way to think about it in a different way. And is it perfect? Once again, I don't know. I'm not an angelologist or a demonologist in a strict sense. I've studied it a little bit, mostly just so I know some things. But um, this show creates a realistic way in which one can think about that. And it does, uh, like I said, it does this over and over again. Um, there's at one point multiple gods appear, you know, everyone from Thor to Zeus to, you know, uh, Ra to Vishnu and so on and so forth. And they interact with different archangels. Actually, up until like last Sunday when I was in church, I used to think that Lucifer was an archangel because of this show. Now, of course, maybe he still is. I don't know, but uh, I haven't read that. But my priest says that, you know, mentioned in his sermon that um, the highest angels actually aren't archangels. Archangels are the lowest angels. So Michael, the archangel, was very important to God. But in terms of power and value, I guess he was ranked lower than you know, other ranks of angels. And if you're not aware, there are different ranks and different types of angels. And that is in the Bible. Um, But Lucifer is what's considered a seraphim angel, which is supposed to be like the highest rank and highest power of angel. So Michael, an archangel, was used to fight off the seraphim, Lucifer. And that, you know, is very significant. It's kind of like David and Goliath. It proves that anybody can be of value um, you know, no matter who they are, no matter where they're from, etc. And, uh, but in this show, you know, you have the archangels, Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, 
Lucifer is presented as an archangel. Um, he interact. Lucifer interacts with other gods from other cultures, and it turns out that they were fallen angels, which corresponds with what the Book of Enoch says about how other religions come to exist in the first place, which is a cool visual depiction, and it opened my mind into different ways about thinking about the Christian story that I never considered before. I went from being like, other gods don't exist, without, which is kind of an uneasy thing to say, to other gods do exist, and actually the Christian story speaks to them which is dope, and everyone should be able to have that type of analysis. Is it perfect? Is it good? Like I said, like I've consistently said, no. But it's a step in a direction that I think is really interesting and provocative for members of the Christian faith and for non-members of the Christian faith. If you've looked at Christianity and been like, how can Christianity be true with every other religion out there? Well, hey, all those religions out there, they're telling part of the story and we know that they're telling part of that story. We wrote it down. So maybe uh, maybe it's worth a second look. Maybe it's worth a dialogue. You know, you never know. Um, and I think that's kind of the point here. It's easy for a biblical literalist or a Christian literalist to be like, this show talks about God, but it's mean to God. And God is nice, so I don't like this show. You know, <sighs> Maybe you should look into, like, Sesame Street or something less offensive, like Clifford the Red Dog, or even Mr. Rogers is probably too aggressive for you because, you know, that guy was an actual Christian. But I say that to, you know, to guard your heart because you clearly are not able to appreciate shows with different degrees of nuance. And this does require a certain degree of nuance. The show Supernatural is really interesting because it opens up different pathways for thinking about Christianity because it is a different pathway of thinking about Christianity. And I think if we're able to think about the world and appreciate different people from around the world with a degree of, you know, like I've said, nuance and care, um, we can perhaps know a little bit more about our own story and how our story engages with other stories. So... Uh, what's good? Everybody knows the rules. Last section. Uh, the Supernatural finale is coming in a week. I am very excited. I can't wait to cry. It's the only finale. People were talking about how America, the American finale was last week with the election. I was like, I could honestly care not less because there's a Supernatural episode this week. Um, but it is, you know, the final episode. It's on its way. Uh, second thing is... I was in a class today that had the scholars Fred, Dr. Fred Moten and Dr. Frank Wilderson III um, available, and oh my gosh, it was so great, uh, illuminating, and it was just, uh, just so great is honestly the best way to phrase it. It was just so great to be able to see such brilliant scholars um, you know, communicating truths that are so important and impactful. Uh, and if you're interested in, you know, race studies, critical race theory, I think gets a bit of a bad rap, but Afro-pessimism and black optimism, which is a specific field of race studies, um, it, it, it helped change part of my life, a very significant part, I would say. Um, and I wouldn't be where I am now if it wasn't for their work. So huge thanks to them and many blessings because they are what's good 
And third thing is I taught my last class today for the semester. I mean, finals are next week, but, you know, it's finals. I wasn't teaching. Um, and teaching is great. You know, if you're not being taught somehow, somewhere, and I'm not talking about like, like I'm talking personally, like a class of like 20 people or less, you know, you got to find a way to get taught. You got to go learn something. And I think there's something about important about learning with other people, which is why I'm saying 20 or less and learning from so, like someone who's, you know, wiser than you, not smarter, wiser. They should be smarter, but wiser, wiser is most important. Uh, teaching is good, you know, it's part of growth, and it, once you start, if you're not growing, you're dying, you know, it really, it's just true, uh, so that's what's good, you know, I'd stick to it, if you can, um, yeah, so, sorry if this episode is a little all over the place, hopefully, for next week, we'll have some episodes that are a little more understood, but like I said, I'm still tinkering with the formula, so if you've got ideas, hit me up, We'll make it happen. Um, let's let's go to prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for the different ways in which you revealed yourself to your people. I thank you for the narratives that have uh, helped show you in a different way, in a different light, uh, and to show your uh, how you've appeared through and to your creation. Lord, I thank you for all of the people that are listening right now for blessings over their lives as well as blessings for everyone that is not uh, listening. I just pray for grace, strength, discernment, uh, wisdom, and just the ability to understand how to deal with these changing times. It's the fall, Lord, and we that's uh, often associated with change. And, uh, Lord, we just pray that if there is any change, it is change that is constantly facing you, a change that is less of us and more of you. Lord, I pray for goodness and blessings for all of the people that are listening. Uh, amen. Well, guys, uh, this has been good. It's been real. It's been real good. And it's been good real. Uh, sure, make sure to share this with a friend. Uh, if you uh, liked something in this, you know, or you know someone that might be interested in some of the concepts that were communicated about today, Share it with someone, have them share it with someone. And then when that person's listening to this, now, oh, yeah, I'm talking about you. You share it to someone. It'll be great. Uh, just to keep the conversation going. And then let me know what those conversations turn out to be. Make sure to comment where comments are accepted. Uh, subscribe on Spotify or wherever podcasts are cast, if that's your thing. Um, otherwise, have a God-blessed weekend. And I hope to see you all soon. I'm Alex, and this is the Pagan Christian Podcast. I'm the Pagan Christian. See ya in a bit.